Welcome to Easier, a podcast about making life and work easier. I'm Anthony Wagner, and this is episode number 48. Each Wednesday, we're chatting about the best tips, ideas, and strategies for living and working more simply. I believe that when things are easier, we have more time for what matters most. This week, we're talking about validation in your relationships. Validation is the essential communication skill that you never knew you needed. If you're looking to improve your relationships, and I do mean all of them, then this week's Make Life Easier is for you. And then we're talking about a very simple but effective life hack for managing your trash cans of all things. That'll come up in Make Work Easier. All right, let's get started. All right, so today we are covering one of the, I mean, one of the best books that I have read so far. I picked it up, not really on a whim. I've been looking at it for a while, but I finally decided to read it and Oh man, am I glad that I did. So the book is called I Hear You, The Surprisingly Simple Skill Behind Extraordinary Relationships. And the book is by Michael Sorensen. And in a nutshell, it covers the technique called validation. And this is a skill I think that most people don't have the language tools to know exist, right? We kind of know intuitively what it feels like to feel validated as we're talking to others or what it feels like to validate others. But we don't really know, I think a lot of cases, what it's called or that we should be doing it. This book puts language to this thing that is so fundamental and it's actually really, in my opinion, so easy to to, to do. So we're going to talk about the book. It's actually quite a short book in, in audible format, which is audiobook. I love audible. Um, and I listen to most of my books or read most of my books that way. And three hours is the length of this book. And that's actually pretty short in terms of, you know, audible length. So in paperback, I'm not sure, quite sure how long it is, but this is a pretty, pretty short book. But what I will say, and with 100% certainty, is that this book is completely effective. There is nothing fluffy. There is no repetitive. Sometimes you get kind of communication, psych, self-help, whatever books, and they tend to ramble on a lot. And a lot of them will feel like to me that they're, you know, a big sales pitch for some program. This one does not feel that way at all. Everything the author covers makes sense, belongs, and is useful. So I'm very excited about this book. And so we're going to talk about how you can use this skill called validation to improve your relationships. And I'm talking about all kinds of relationships, every relationship that you have with another person. So that could be your partner or your spouse. It could be your boss. It could be friends. It could be parents. It could be anybody. Anyone that comes to you and expresses that they're having a feeling, whether that feeling is positive or negative, is seeking validation for the most part. And so we're going to talk about that. So the first thing we'll talk about is what is validation itself? And I pulled a definition from another source just so I had a couple sources here. And according to the website, Very Well Mind, emotional validation is the process of learning about, understanding, and expressing acceptance of another person's emotional experience. So I think the key piece there is expressing acceptance of another person's emotional experience. So... I think what we do in a lot of cases where somebody comes to us and is, you know, expressing an emotional experience, right? They're talking about how they're feeling, whether that's good or bad, 
right? So in good cases, somebody comes and says, hey, I'm really excited, blah, 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 this is going on. And we go, oh, that's nice. And it it doesn't really provide that level of connection. And the person ends up leaving that conversation feeling a little bummed. And it's the same thing for negative stuff where we either go, oh, that's too bad. And we're kind of just sympathizing rather than empathizing. Uh, We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, we either do that or we immediately jump in and, and play Mr. Fix-It and that doesn't really work very well either. And the reason is, is because most of the time folks are expressing these emotions to us just because they're craving validation. They're craving to know that somebody else understands how they're feeling. Not that they want to fix it, change it, judge it, give their opinion, any of those things. They just want to know that somebody else gets it right? So this is especially true when things get difficult or stressful or emotions are heightened, I suppose both positive and negative. Um, we, we're craving that connection with others. And like I said, most of the time when we share how we're feeling, we're offered a solution or a fix or advice that we're not looking for. We, we're not looking for a solution. We almost always crave validation. And I used to struggle with this a lot. That was kind of how I was raised, right? That was the model I was given that when you expressed, and this mostly applies to negative stuff, when I expressed, um, you know, this problem or this, this issue that was going on, I usually, the people around me, it would be their first response to offer the solution. Like, oh, you should do this. Or, you know, a lot of you should statements. That's something, just as a a side note, I've been trying to train myself out of doing, saying things like, you should do this or you should try that. Instead, in those cases, I'm, I'm trying to change it to say, I really like this or this has worked for me. Not trying to prescribe, but just explain something that has been true in my case. So that's just a little tangent there. But anyway, my knee-jerk reaction has been to offer a fix. So Kevin would, for instance, come to me you know, toward the beginning of our relationship and would say that something was bothering him or whatever. And I would say, okay, well, did you try this? Or how about this? Or what about this fix? And it frustrated him a lot. And you know, it, the problem was not that I was being insensitive or that I didn't care. I just didn't know, A, what he was looking for, and B, how to express it. And I think that's true for a lot of folks that we don't have the language about validation. That's what he was looking for. Now, we talked about it and we figured it out. The language that we put to it at, you know, as we talked about this problem that was that I just kept giving him answers and he wasn't looking for answers. He was just looking to vent. And that was kind of the way that we put it. In other words, the succinct version from this book is that he was craving validation. And I do that too. You know, we both crave positive and negative validation from each other and he wasn't getting it and it was very frustrating for him. And once I figured it out, and stop doing that, I stopped altogether immediately offering advice or fixes. I mean, that was just a big takeaway for me that certainly I could offer advice, but there are there's an appropriate way to do it. And we'll we'll cover that in a, in a few minutes. So validation validation is worth your time because people around you are craving it. And this is a way to connect with them and to really be the person that they're looking for you to be, the person they need you to be. So when you learn to spot situations in which validation uh, is helpful, you can instantly improve your relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. You know, if it's your boss who's saying, oh my God, this is so frustrating. Instead of saying like, oh, this is how we can fix it. Maybe sometimes just saying, yeah, I totally understand how that could feel frustrating. It, It really makes sense kind of thing could work. Or, you know, with a partner saying similar stuff, 
wow, that person really sounds like a jerk. You know, I, I can't even believe that they did that. Those kinds of things allow the person to feel what they're feeling and make it okay. So validation 101, what does that look like? I've just done it a couple of times, but there's two key components here. It's to acknowledge how the person feels and then offer justification for that feeling. In other words, identify what they're feeling and then say, yeah, this is okay. I get how you would, given what's going on, come to this emotion, right? So something negative is happening, right? I, you know, I just got yelled at by my boss and I think that my boss was totally out of line. And so I come home and I express to my partner, God, my boss is such an idiot. I'm so tired of being treated like this. My partner could have two possible, well, there could be more than two, but the two primary possible responses. The first is the mixture fix it approach. And, uh, you know, I just realized I've done that twice. I'm kind of gendering this here. So I'm going to try to avoid doing that just for folks listening. Apologies for this second Mr. <laughs> Mr. Fix-It that I've used. Um, the the fixer approach. I'm going to try saying that instead. Anyway, so I come home, express this frustration with my boss. And the fixer approach could be, well, did you try talking to your boss? Well, you know, what, what did you do to get yourself into that situation? You know, and those kinds of things are really disheartening. I can already feel like the, I'm feeling empathy for myself. I'm not feeling that emotion, obviously, but I can definitely see how that would feel very frustrating. So that's, I think, most folks kind of default. So we need to avoid doing that. We can certainly offer advice, but a, the initial response that I would advocate and this book advocates is to just acknowledge how the person feels, put a label to it if possible, and then offer justification. And another piece here is that it's non-judgmental. They don't need to be judged, even if we disagree. So before we get into the four steps of dealing with, you know, of, of validating, there are four key steps from the book. We're going to talk about some misconceptions, and I just kind of started to talk about them, and then we're going to talk about empathy. And those two things are really important to kind of work through before we cover those four steps. I know I've been kind of foreshadowing. We'll talk about this in a minute. Well, we're going to start now. So the first misconception about validation, and I actually reordered these from the book because I thought this was the most important one. You have to be given almost permission to do this. But the common misconception here is that you have to agree with how the person's feeling in order to validate that emotion. That is completely false. And once you have that language, once you have that concept in your head, you're going to notice, oh man, this is really freeing because I think we think, especially like we're in an argument and we feel that we are in the right. So we completely dismiss how someone else might be feeling and you don't have to do that. The person that you're arguing with whether it's a, you know, a coworker or a spouse or whatever, you can disagree with them, but still validate that they're feeling what they're feeling. That's really important. I'm going to say it again. It might be pretty obvious, but you can validate someone else's emotions even if you disagree with them. For example, if a coworker mentions that they're feeling angry about being passed over for a promotion, but in your head you're like, you didn't really deserve that promotion in the first place. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Uh, that's fine. You can disagree, right? You don't think that they deserved it, but you can use your empathy skills to say, well, yeah, I disagree with how they're feeling, but they're still feeling that. They're still feeling frustrated, let down. They're feeling whatever those emotions are and that, you know, further conversation could help you better identify those emotions, but they're feeling not so great. And so the response could be, well, you really didn't deserve it, right? You're judging. Or the response could be, 
wow, you must be really feeling frustrated about that, right? You didn't judge. You took a step back. You didn't even say that, you know, you yourself felt frustrated by it. You didn't agree. You didn't disagree. You just said those things that you're feeling, they're valid, right? And so that's really important. You do not have to disagree or you do not have to agree with the person's emotions to validate them. All right, that's number one. First misconception. Second misconception is that you can only validate negative emotions. Certainly not, right? That's, of course, useful. In this case, you know, the person is feeling negatively. They didn't get the promotion and you're saying, oh, yeah, that's legit. I understand how you would feel that way. You could also say something in validating negative emotions like, I felt this way. I I understand. Like, I've been there too. Um, but you can also extend this to positive emotions and kind of being in a similar emotional state to someone when they're in a positive space can really go a long way toward heightening that and developing connection. So someone comes home, uh, you know, a friend tells you whatever, Hey, I just got a new job. Your reaction could be, Oh wow, that's really cool. Right. And your emotional level doesn't match. And you did kind of validate their emotion. You said it was good, but you didn't match them the better response would be, oh my God, I'm so excited for you. That's such a great opportunity, right? You validated their positive emotion and you matched their emotional level. And that's a way to connect with someone. So that's misconception number two, that you can only validate negative emotions. And then number three, I don't think this one is as rampant, but it is something that is said and there needs to be a clarifier here, that in order to validate someone, you just need to reflect their words back at them. The reflection technique, I've seen it a lot, right? People say like, in order to show that you're understanding, reflect or summarize or paraphrase what someone else is saying. Certainly that's helpful to an extent. But if that becomes kind of your default where somebody says, yeah, my boss is such a jerk and you know, I really don't, I'm so tired of dealing with that and blah, blah, blah. And your response is, so what I'm hearing is that your boss is a jerk and you really don't like dealing with it that's obviously disingenuous, right? It it just doesn't come off as caring. So you certainly can reflect back. Something that you could say is to help them identify the emotion, right? Without judgment. So you can say, wow, it sounds like you're feeling frustrated, right? You've identified frustration as the emotion going on. And so you don't have to, you know, repeat verbatim or even in paraphrase all the things that the person is saying. So those are the three misconceptions. You don't have to agree with their emotions, you can validate both positive and negative, and you should be a, a little bit more genuine in your reflection of what they're saying. Okay, so those are some misconceptions. And another thing we need to talk about is empathy, right? Empathy is different than sympathy. And I think sometimes it's a little bit challenging to tease out the nuance here. But the short version of this is that sympathy is feeling for someone while empathy is feeling with someone. Here's a quick analogy that helps to illustrate that. So say you're walking down the street and you see your friend stuck in a hole in the ground, right? There's a big hole and your friend is down at the bottom of it. Someone who is feeling sympathy uh, and responds from that sympathy could say something like, wow, I'm so sorry that you're stuck down there. That's terrible, right? You're identifying that the it sucks, but you're feeling for them. You're not feeling with them. And in that case, you know, you say, wow, I'm so sorry. And that's terrible. And then you keep walking, right? You felt badly. That sucks. But it's, you know, you're not investing anything. That's a sympathetic response versus an empathetic response would be, you know, oh my God, you're in this hole. And then you climb down in and say, you know, wow, this is really tough. This is a, this, you know, this must be a struggle. And then if appropriate, you can then offer, 
oh, did you know that the solution to getting out of this hole is down this passage and up? Or here, I brought a ladder with me. Climb on out. Again, if appropriate, right? We're going to talk about that. So sympathy versus empathy. Empathy is going to be the most important thing here, where you're feeling with someone. You're with their, you're there with them. You're not just saying, oh, wow, that's terrible, keeping them at arm's length. So that's a critical skill because if you don't have the empathy skills to identify what someone else is feeling, it becomes really hard to validate them because they're going to think that you're not listening to them. So if you're constantly saying, wow, you must be really pissed at your boss. I'm not really feeling pissed. I'm, I'm feeling frustrated because I got passed over and I'm feeling sad maybe and, and a little maybe shameful, but it's not anger. Like I'm not angry. So if you, and then you keep coming back at it, well, that must be really, you know, agitating. You must be really angry. There's going to be disconnection there. You're not validating because your empathy skills aren't really bringing you to the place where you're feeling with that person. So there's a technique and something to point out that the book covers that's really interesting that I'm actually pretty guilty of. And I don't like the word guilty. That that implies really negative connotations. But I find myself doing this a lot and I want to start training myself out of it. And that is that we can be a little bit lazy in describing how we're feeling. We tend to categorize our feelings rather than identify them. In other words, somebody says, hey, how you doing? And you go, oh, I'm good. You, you don't feel good, right? Good is not an emotion per se. Good is a category of other emotions where you could say something like, I'm feeling happy, I'm feeling grateful, I'm feeling comfortable, whatever that is. Or, you know, you're in a negative space and you say, I'm feeling fine. Now, I totally get it. You know, sometimes you just don't want to delve in and go into a hundred thousand minute conversation about why you're feeling what you're feeling. No, sometimes it's just like, yeah, that's just easier just to pass it. But the problem is, is that that I think kind of pervades into the rest of the way that we describe our emotions and it kind of becomes the substitute. So instead of saying, you know, in genuine moments, like when you're expressing your emotions to someone, you're saying, I'm feeling kind of bad. Well, be more specific, right? Jumpstart your validation effort by being better at identifying emotions, The better you are at identifying your own emotions, the better you can be at identifying others. So some examples to watch out for in the category, category, right? The categories to watch out for. Good, I'm feeling fine. I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm not great. I'm better than yesterday. Again, what do all of those mean? They're just categories. Instead, try using actual emotional adjectives. I'm feeling happy. I'm grateful. I'm feeling content. I'm tired. I'm hurting, sad, worried, anxious, comfortable, sick, etc., etc., right? Now that I've pointed it out, you'll probably notice that you do it. I do it a lot. I'm sure most people do. It's just easier in most cases, but start practicing identifying those emotions. And then here's a quick life hack from the book that I really loved. It's something I never thought of. If you're struggling to make that empathetic connection to someone, you're just like, I can't, you know, you don't like the person or you really disagree. Like you really think, wow, that person's an idiot for thinking that they deserve that, that promotion, whatever it is, a way to tap into your empathy is to imagine the other person as a child. Think about them as a four-year-old kid expressing, oh, I didn't get this, and their actual genuine hurt. And it immediately taps into that empathy. It is very simple to be empathetic toward a child, whereas sometimes it's hard toward adults. So if you're, you know, you're in a space where you're trying to validate, but you're having trouble coming up with it, this is a good hack for that. Okay, let's cover the four steps for validation in your relationships, and they're pretty simple. Step one is listen. Step two is validate. Step three is offer advice when appropriate and with permission. And step four is validate again. 
So we're just going to cover these really fast because they're actually pretty simple. So the first step one is listen. You need to give your full attention. Put your freaking phones in your pocket. Take them off the table. Don't check them when somebody is venting to you. You know, I've got some friends that do this. I've had coworkers that were really bad about this. You're talking to them and they're just constantly on their phone. Put it away. You know, if, if you can't, if you have to absolutely check it, say, hey, would you mind if I took two, three minutes to deal with this and then I'll, you know, give you my full attention. So listen is incredibly important. In addition to that, resist the temptation, absolutely resist the temptation to fix the problem, offer advice, or give your opinion. That's not the point. The person likely is not looking for that, especially right away. And throughout the conversation, you can offer micro-validation. The book talks about things like saying like, wow, or that's ridiculous, or really, or no way. It shows that you are engaged in the empathy of that conversation. You understand how the person is feeling, and that reinforces it. All right, that's step number one. So listen, and listen with full intent, uh, full attention. Step number two is validate. This is the the simple, well, you know, this is, this is it, the crux of all of this. To acknowledge what they're feeling, give it a label. Using your empathy tips, actually label the emotion. And sometimes you might label it wrong and let the person correct you, as in my frustrated versus angry example. And make sure that you're following that. If somebody says, no, I'm not really feeling angry, you can, you know, continue to try to validate and nail down the actual emotion. And do it gently, you know, if the person's not feeling it, don't don't keep pressing until you get the right one, right? You know, use, I would say, use common sense here. And then you can also explain that the person is justified in feeling how they feel, right? That is so frustrating. I can't believe it. I totally understand why you'd come to that place. It's really frustrating, right? And remember that you can do that even if you disagree with how they're feeling. Then step three is offer advice and In the book, it's offer advice in appropriate situations, and I'm adding with permission. Offer advice with permission. I think that this is a good strategy I've found that works a lot better than assuming somebody's looking for advice or your opinion, right? Ask permission. I'm giving you advice without asking your, your permission, which is ironic, I guess, but this is a useful principle is to always ask for permission. So how do you do that, right? You're in a situation and somebody's venting to you and you wanna ask, you know, your, your gut is to say, I know how to fix it. What I do now is I'll say, hey, you know, what are you looking for from me in this conversation? Are you looking to vent? Because that's totally okay. If that's all you need, I'm here for you for that. That's important there. We'll come back to it in a second. Or do you want my help figuring it out? Do you, do you want my opinion? And that gives them the total leeway to give you the permission they need, tell you what they need without saying, oh, what can I do for you? I find that to be a little trite. I find people, you know, it seems like a cop out almost because a lot of times people don't have the language tools to say, I'm looking for validation. So you're giving them that option very simply. And you get into a situation where I think people feel frustrated where it's like you're just giving them boilerplate. Like, I don't even like saying, oh, is there anything I can do? Because it feels disingenuous. It just feels like this is the thing I say in situation B, like you're following a flow chart. So just going back for a second to the thing I was saying is when you offer to allow someone to vent, don't diminish it, right? You can say, hey, are you just looking to vent or can I give you my opinion, right? That implies, oh, I really, you can vent, that's fine but I'm looking to give you my opinion, so you should tell me that's what I can do. That's not giving them permission. Give them equally weighted options without judgment and let them choose and then genuinely be okay, even if you have the perfect answer. The book does lay out exceptions, obviously, like if you've got a teenager who's making a stupid decision and it's, you know, you you can certainly give your opinion without asking their permission, but 
you know, in general, in adult relationships, permission is good. This is especially true for a spouse who's feeling, you know, who vents to you frequently. You don't have to give your opinion on every single situation. Saying, hey, well, um, you know, I, I definitely understand you've already validated, right? I definitely understand how you're feeling this way. It's really tough. I'm just curious going forward, what are you looking for from me? Are you just looking to vent? I'm super cool if that's what you're looking for. Or um, do you want to kind of work through it together? That way there's no bias. There's no, I really want to give my opinion kind of thing going on. And it really just works. So when in doubt, ask for permission. And then number four, a good way to wrap your conversation up is to validate again, right? To say, as the conversation is ending, hey, I know how difficult this must be for you. I really appreciate that you were able to open up to me. I really appreciate that you were able to be vulnerable kind of thing. Wrap it up to show that your validation or that, you know, their experience is valid, that you appreciate them for sharing it. So that's pretty much it. That's the, the, the validation technique. And now that you have the language skill to the tools, you know, the thing to call it in your head, you're going to start noticing it all over the place. I know that I did. So really read this book. It's fantastic. And I really love how simple, how succinct it is. I'm going to do a really quick thing. I stole, I stole, I borrowed um, a segment from the book. He has these real world scenarios at the end, and I'm going to read this to you just so you can kind of see a full out example of this whole thing. And he's got little spots in it where he covers listening, micro validation, validation itself. Um, So I'm going to, I'll point those out as we go. So this is a scenario in which two friends are talking about, or one friend is expressing to another friend about getting or being asked for a divorce. And the two friends are Lindsay and Kate. And Lindsay is the friend and Kate is the one expressing the concern. So I'm just going to kind of go through this and point out where the, the pieces are. So you have an example. Lindsay, hey Kate, how's it going? Kate, honestly, not well. Lindsay, really? What's up? Kate, John just asked me for a divorce. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Kate, I'm so sorry. When did this happen? Last night. Did you know this was coming? Have you guys been having problems? Kind of, I don't know. I didn't really think this would happen. We've grown pretty distant over the past few months or so, but I guess I just thought this was normal. He told me he's been seeing someone else. Oh man, are you kidding me? Oh, Kate, I'm so sorry. How are you feeling right now? It was just last night that he told you? Yeah, to be honest, I'm pretty numb. I don't even want to think about it too much right now. I don't blame you. I can't even imagine. Yeah... Well, hey, I'm here for you. I appreciate you letting me know. That's an incredibly heavy load to carry. I honestly can't even imagine. And if you want to talk, know that I'm always willing to listen. So we'll go back through this just a little bit. And there's a spot at the beginning where Kate, where Lindsay responds to Kate, oh my gosh, are you serious? I'm so sorry. That's an example of micro-validation that, oh my gosh, like I am on the same emotional level as you are. So that's an example of micro-validation. She does it again a little bit. So Kate says that they've grown pretty distant, and then he just said that he's been seeing someone else. And Lindsay comes back with, are you kidding me? Clearly that reinforces that she gets the emotional state that Kate is in. And then in a little bit, she says, you know, Kate says, yeah, to be honest, I'm pretty numb. I don't even really want to think about it. And Lindsay says, I don't blame you. I can't even imagine. That's an example of validation, right? There she could have gone to, well, what are you going to do? can I help? What, what can I do? How can I fix it? You know, she didn't do that. I don't blame you. 
I can't even imagine. And then at the end, she validated again in saying that, you know, that's an incredibly heavy load to carry. I can't even imagine. If you ever want to talk, know that I'm willing to listen. So I hope that these tips will give you a kind of an insight into this practice. And I think that you'll be able to start using them immediately. And I would highly encourage you to check out the book. I really love this book. Again, it's called I Hear You, The Surprisingly Simple skill behind extraordinary relationships and it's totally worth it. So next time you're at a bookstore or on Amazon, check it out. You will not regret it. Thank you so much for being a part of the easier audience. If you love the show, I could use your help. There are monthly costs with keeping the show going, and to help reduce that cost, I use special affiliate links to Amazon. That means that whenever I recommend a product and you then use my link to buy it, I make a small commission. You don't pay a penny more for that product, Amazon just cuts me a tiny percent. In addition to clicking on my products, you can also use the link easiercast.com Amazon to shop Amazon for any product at all on any kind of device, mobile, desktop, tablet. That link, easiercast.com slash Amazon, will take you to Amazon's homepage and you can shop just like you always would. But this will generate extra commissions to support future episodes of Easier. And again, it won't cost you a penny more. Please consider using my link to shop on Amazon, again, easiercast.com slash Amazon, or if you are planning to purchase one of my favorite things, head to the show notes for the episode and click the link. The tiniest commissions add up to making a real difference, and any support for Easier is so appreciated. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, a very quick make work easier, and this is something I kind of discovered. I'm sure someone else has thought of this before me, but I figured this out at work as we had some kind of crappy trash bags that our maintenance company was using, and they kept falling in, which is super annoying. So what I did, I'm in an office. Let's use office supplies to fix the problem. Uh, on, I have one of those rectangular trash cans, but it'll totally work on circular ones too. I took binder clips and binder clipped the trash bag down, and that way it never falls in. And it's super easy to change and it it just works. It's that simple. I love this technique. I use it at home. Like our bathroom trash can uses the smaller. They're not like they don't have the drawstring or anything on them. And this works there too. I will definitely put a picture of what our, our bathroom trash can looks like in the show notes. But this is a fantastic life hack and it just it just works. So if you've got trash um, trash bags that fall into your cans all the time, try this. It'll help you out. And last up this week is our segment on riding the struggle bus. Normally we would do my favorite things, but of course the favorite for this week is the book I Hear You, so definitely check that out. But riding the struggle bus, it's not really related this week, but I wanted to see if anyone had any thoughts on this. And so what's going on is that I live in an apartment and I think that the carpet in the apartment is probably old. I don't know for sure what exactly is causing this, but the apartment doesn't smell bad bad, right? Like it just doesn't smell fresh. When you walk in the front door, it's just not fresh. It doesn't smell clean. And I'm trying to figure out how to make that happen just kind of by default. Really what I want is just to smell neutral. And it's not bad. It's just not where I want it. And I feel like I'm missing something. I've tried deodorizing the carpet. I've cleaned under every nook and cranny in the kitchen. I've done, I think, everything that I can, but I just can't seem to, to source 
this particular scent and I, I don't love it. So I, you know, I, I will use air fresheners, but I'm trying not to do that because I really don't think that they're very good for you to be breathing those chemicals in all the time. But I really could use some help figuring out what is going on here. So I would love for you to call into the show. And I still haven't had anyone take me up on this, but I really would love to include some other voices in the show. So I would greatly appreciate it if you have any experience with dealing with this, with kind of freshening a space in a more natural way, please call into the show, the number 313-242-7473, or easier to remember, 313-BIB-RISE. And nope, those words don't mean anything. They're just to help you remember. 313-BIB, as in a child's bib, and RISE, as in to go up. All right, that's it for this week's episode of Easier. It's time for our weekly roundup. First, remember that any click on any affiliate link on my site or by going to easiercast.com Amazon, that'll just redirect you right over to Amazon for all of your regular shopping, generates tiny commissions for the show, and I really appreciate it. It doesn't cost you a penny more, and it just sends a little bit of money my way. And I really appreciate it. It helps keep the show going. So remember, click on my affiliate links. If you're going to buy the book, go to the show notes, which I'll give you the link in a sec, and click that link. Or just go to easiercast.com slash Amazon. In any browser, it will redirect you right to Amazon's homepage, and I'll earn a small commission on anything you buy. Next, remember to call in and share your thoughts on my struggle this week, 313-242-7473 or 313-BIB-RISE. Then, if you're looking for the show notes, they are always at easiercast.com slash episode number. This week's episode number is 48, so you'll find them at easiercast.com slash 48, easiercast.com slash 48. In the show notes, you'll find everything from today's episode, comment space, favorite things, links to subscribe, links to Facebook. Again, that's easiercast.com slash 48. Finally, if you know anyone who would benefit from the tips I've covered in this episode, and I have a feeling lots of folks will on this particular topic, I really do, please be sure to share it with them. Hopefully every share means that someone somewhere will find more time for what matters most to them. As always, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, here's to an easier life. Bye for now. Bye for now.